0: Welcome to you, wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We're so very glad that you are here with us for these few moments together. And before we jump into our teaching, do want to mention, uh, this great resource called the YouVersion Bible app. It's completely free. It's got so many topics, reading plans, videos. Uh, you'll have fun just, uh, checking around there. But, uh, if you get that app on your phone or your device, lower right hand corner, you can hit the drop down menu. Click on events, search for Arlington FM, and there you will find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Well, we are in a series called Chasing Life, and uh, you know, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear those words, uh, but it can really uh, conjure up images of people on a quest, people on a great journey of discovery, and uh, we're looking uh, at it from this perspective that all of us... uh, It's innate. It's something that's in the heart of all of human beings that there's a desire uh, for life with a capital L desire to seek what is best in this life. Now, for some uh, that may have uh, been covered up, maybe feeling like it's extinguished or broken or derailed. uh, But I truly believe that God has placed within each person that's created in his image the desire for life that is good that is full. It's a desire to seek what is best in life. Um, It's expressed in in this uh, kind of a a riddle-like statement from the book of Ecclesiastes. The writer says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And you say, well, wait a minute. That, that's not entirely clear. Uh, but here's what I think that means. That God has placed within every human heart an awareness that there's something more. Uh, and we can't quite figure out what that is on our own. Uh, philosophers have called this a God-shaped vacuum. That there's a place, uh, within the human spirit that is reserved to connect with God and to experience God. Uh, it's almost like a beacon that uh, sounds out from within us, and it's searching for a greater reality to connect to. Uh, But that beacon is growing dim. It's not quite connecting with its uh, intended destination. You know there has to be more, but uh, many times you don't quite know what that is or how to take hold of it. And uh, we mentioned last week that it can create a sense of angst. Uh, You're being pulled one way Uh, but it's not entirely clear. You know that something is missing. Uh, The amplified version of Ecclesiastes 3.11 is really helpful here. Here's the way it reads. Uh, God has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He has also placed eternity, and then uh, this amplification, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart. A mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. That's, that's very pivotal to this study. A mysterious longing which nothing uh, under the sun can satisfy except God. And yet, uh, man cannot find out, cannot comprehend, cannot grasp. The words of the apostle Paul come to mind. What God has planned, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the mind of man even conceived what God has planned for those who love Him. Uh, and again, it speaks to that longing for God and His higher purpose that is placed within our hearts. Yeah, there's something in your heart that resonates with God's call on your life. In fact, uh, if you really look into this, uh, many have experienced that this, this placement of God's call and His purpose is universal. It's not relegated to Western minds or certain cultures. Uh, It's in the hearts of all people. Uh, In fact, a man named Don Richardson wrote a book. Uh, He was a missionary uh, to uh, uh, some very primitive uh, parts of our world. And uh, he discovered this truth and wrote a book about it called Eternity in Their Hearts, that in every culture there there is a mystery that's longing and reaching for God who created them For his good purpose. Love the way Paul uh, speaks to a group of philosophers uh, in the book, in the city of Athens. He says, uh, uh, God did this, put this yearning uh, for himself uh, in the hearts of people that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And that really is the heart of this series, Chasing Life that God has placed something within us that puts us on a quest, on a journey to reach for and to perhaps find and experience God in all of his fullness. Uh, And here's a wonderful promise that kind of uh, sets the boundaries of our study. Uh, Jesus said it like this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone uh, hear that. Everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Uh, see, Jesus saw uh, in these parables, in these stories, describing the accessibility of God. He, he compares it to a, a widow seeking justice who refuses to give up until she gets what she's uh, needing. Uh, he speaks of a friend uh, who goes to his neighbor in the middle of the night, and again refuses to stop knocking until his neighbor wakes up and gives him what he needs and it reminds us of this truth that 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 mystery that god has placed within our hearts that yearning that appetite for him that longing for god can lead to some amazing places it can push us uh, to to find god and to experience his goodness as jesus said uh, the ones that ask receive and that longing can uh, bring us uh, to receive more of God's abundance. Uh, the ones that seek, find, they do discover more of God's great purposes and his will. The ones who knock, uh, they do see doors open to them. But uh, here's a truth that we uh, highlighted last week, that longing for God can not only lead us to some amazing places, it can leave us in some really dark ones. Uh, we, can miss, we can be misguided in our quest for more, we can reach for the wrong things. It can lead to a, an unfocused life. We can become thrill seekers and adrenaline junkies. It can lead us to addictive behavior. Uh, it, it, kind of uh, what King Solomon expressed at the end of his quest for, uh, for life and a greater purpose and God's meaning. He said, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, And what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. It was a chasing after the wind. And see, like Solomon, uh, we can chase after the wrong things in our quest to discover God's greater good and to experience life, as I said, with a capital L. Uh, You know, uh, I think one of the misguided notions we can act on is to think that somehow uh, changing our setting or changing our circumstances Uh, Changing, uh, you know, the details will change us, will change our hearts. uh, When the truth is, that just doesn't work. Uh, More often than not, uh, changing our circumstances does little to change our experience of life. Uh, We all know these truths. Uh, How about this one? Uh, Wherever you go, there you are. Right, you knew that. Uh, how about this one? If nothing changes, well, nothing changes. You knew that one too, and you probably know this one. You can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. And then finally this one, if wishes were ponies, well, no, don't go there. Uh, that's, that's not what I want us thinking about. But uh, here's the truth. In our quest for life, we're often tempted to think that being somewhere different will make us different, that buying something different will make us happier. Uh, While it's true that sometimes a change of settings uh, brings about a a better feeling, typically we bring our baggage with us, uh, and hence the saying, wherever you go, there you are. I remember a number of years ago, my wife and I uh, led a group of about 30 people on a tour of the Mediterranean. This really was the trip of a lifetime. And uh, we were going to Athens and Rome and Israel and Egypt and uh, all these wonderful destinations. And uh, yet it became apparent that uh, some of our fellow travelers brought all their baggage with them. And I'm talking more, uh, about more than just their luggage. And uh it seemed like uh it was inevitable. If the uh if the bus was a little bit late, these folks were complaining. Uh if the room hotel room was a little bit small, these folks were complaining. If the walk was a little bit too long between the the uh boat station and the train station, these people were complaining. And uh it, it really did highlight that uh, you can be someplace really wonderful but you are still the one that's there. And it's still your reality that's going to create your experience of life. You know, it brings to mind uh, an essential for this uh, chasing life, this quest that that we're all on if we respond to that inner longing that God has put in our hearts. And the essential could be summed up in a word, transformation. Transformation is an absolutely essential ingredient for the journey. You know, uh, when we uh, define transformation uh, in the English, uh, we tend to think of things that are more on the exterior. Uh, Things that are, yes, they're dramatic changes, but they're not really a change of essence. And the Greek word uh, is actually metamorpho. And uh, you know the word metamorphosis. And uh, it really speaks to a dramatic, a complete, uh, an absolutely life changing transformation that takes place. Uh, and here's a, a couple of questions to begin to get us moving down that road of what kind of transformation we're being invited uh, to reach for and to open up to. Uh, here's a question How many of you would say that you are currently the best version of yourself you've ever been. How many of you would say that? Uh, I currently right now and the best version of me that I've ever been. Well, here's a different question. Pretty dramatically different. How many of you would say that the current version of yourself is the best you will ever be? How many of you would actually say that? Uh, the way I am right now is the best I'll ever be. And, uh, you know, pity your poor wife or husband if that's your disposition because uh, then you're essentially saying you're stuck. And, uh, you know, most of us would probably say uh, that I am on a pathway to becoming better. I'm learning from life. I'm changing uh, as I go through different phases of life. But here's the reality. For many of us, that simply is not true. Uh, We are not... uh, always changing for the better. We're not the best version of ourselves we've always been or we've ever been. Uh, for for many, uh, if you look at the research, uh, we're actually becoming less open to others, less loving, less caring, uh, more set in our ways, slightly more annoyed, more belligerent, more angry with the people that we go through life with. And, uh, uh, you know, here's uh, just a couple of Uh, thoughts about the way we think about ourselves. Uh, A man named Adam Grant wrote a book actually called Think Again, and uh, he says this, if we are certain that we know something ourselves, we have no reason to look for gaps or flaws in our knowledge, let alone work to fill or correct them. In other words, we we assume a level of self-knowledge that may not be accurate, Uh, In fact, in one study, uh, here's an interesting insight. The people who scored the lowest in emotional intelligence testing were the very ones that were most likely to overestimate themselves. Hear that again. Uh, In in this research study, the people who scored the lowest in emotional intelligence, which kind of measures self-awareness, they were actually the most likely to overestimate themselves. how they were doing Uh, they were also the most likely to dismiss their scores as inaccurate or irrelevant and they were the least likely to invest in coaching or self-improvement well here's the truth Uh, we don't know how desperately we need transformation and how wonderful of an opportunity it is if we don't know ourselves if we don't at least realize that uh, there's many things about myself that can and indeed should be better. Uh, think of the uh, the disciple Peter. Uh, we all recognize that Peter's kind of the model disciple, but uh, look at his pathway. When Jesus first called him, uh, Peter had a sense that he had Jesus figured out. In fact, uh, Jesus is speaking on the shore to a crowd of people, and he tells Peter to... Uh, let him in his boat. And then he says, put out into deeper water. And uh, Peter does. And then uh, after speaking, Jesus says, well, throw it on your net for a catch. And uh, you can almost see the wheels turning in Peter's mind. Uh, Jesus knows some things about God, seems to know some things about people, but he doesn't know much about fishing. And so he says, Lord, we fished all night. There's nothing in there, but because you say so, he lets down his nets and, uh, As the story unfolds, they pull up such a miraculous catch of fish that their boat begins to sink. And the boats of their friends, filled with the same catch of fish, begin to sink as well. And Peter has this uh, interesting reaction. He falls to his knees and he says, Lord, depart from me, for I am an evil man. Well, what's going on with Peter? He's realizing his desperate need for transformation. Uh, Fast forward. A bit where Jesus allows Peter and James and John to go with him up to the mount, the mount of transfiguration. And there it says uh, Jesus is uh, transformed before them. He shines like the sun. They realize this is no normal person. And uh, Peter begins to, to rattle off. He says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. We should build some booze uh, like they did in the Old Testament. They would build a tabernacle to acknowledge that God was here and Uh, Peter's going on with his plan, uh, a well-formulated plan, and all of a sudden a voice breaks in from heaven and basically says, Peter, put a lid on it, zip it up, uh, shut up. Uh, This is my son. Listen to him. What's going on there? Uh, Peter is becoming aware of his desperate need for transformation. Fast forward again. uh, Jesus is speaking of the cross. What's going to take place? He says to Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Uh, Peter says, Lord, I'll never deny you. They may, but not me. Uh, I'm willing to go to the cross with you. Well, sure enough, uh, as the night unfolds, uh, Peter finds himself denying the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. And on the third denial, the rooster crows, just as Jesus said. And uh, Peter is... Uh, is. Uh, grief stricken. What's going on there? Uh, Peter is coming face to face with his desperate need for transformation. I need to be more. I need to become more. I'm not who I need to be. I want to yearn and grow and reach for the mystery of what God has called me into. And I want to open up to that. And I need God's help. See, that's the heart of transformation. Uh, Think about it this way. What if you had a room in your house, and it was the transformation room, and uh, anything that you could drag into that room would be transformed? Uh, Maybe you've got an old broken tennis racket, and uh, you open the door and fling it in the transformation room, and voila, uh, you have a brand new tennis racket. Uh, Maybe, like many of us, uh, you've got a cell phone with a broken screen, and uh, I know my wife uh, has had one for about two years, you know, trying to nurse her money's worth out of that device. But uh, having a transformation room, you take your cell phone, you open the door, you toss it in, and behold, you've got an entirely new screen. And not only a new screen, but you have an upgrade, a new device. And uh, well, let's say this, you're working with a body that's wearing out, it's getting tired, your mind's slowing down a bit, and uh, you just drag him to the transformation room, toss him in, and behold, a brand-new Ernie, <laughs> and uh, or Bernie, I should say. Uh, but you get the point. If you have this uh, ability to transform what is in need of transformation, what is in need of change, what is broken, what has been hurt, what has been marred, what has been scarred, the potential is absolutely enormous. Well, here's the really great news this weekend, the exceptional news in Jesus Christ, in his death, in his resurrection, in his offer of forgiveness. We have such a room. We have a place. We have someone we can go to with any measure of brokenness. And as he said, I am making all things new. And I want to invite you uh, into that place of transformation with the very changes that are essential if we're going to stay on this journey towards God's best can happen and take place in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul speaks of this wonderful ministry of transformation. He says, uh, therefore, since we have such a hope we do indeed have a place where we can be completely restored and repaired and redeemed. Because we have that kind of a hope, he says, we are very bold. Uh, We are very bold. Uh, Everybody, wherever you're listening to this message, I would like you to say this out loud. We are very bold. Uh, Go ahead, say it to somebody that you're with. We are very bold. Uh, What he's saying is we no longer have to cover up. We no longer have to pretend. We no longer have to live in shame. Uh, We're done with that. We're not trying to hide. We're not trying to impress. We're not uh, trying to pretend. We don't have to live up to anyone's expectations because we have been accepted by God. Uh, Paul says we are very bold, and what we have experienced is God has come to us in Christ. And he's a step beyond uh, our barriers and welcomed us back to himself. Uh, Here's a good way to state the reality we now live in. Uh, High shame typically equals low transformation. Uh, People don't change when they're afraid to come out of hiding. But the opposite is also true. Low shame, very bold, equals the freedom to change and to become different to become better and to grow and to move uh, towards where that beacon of our hearts is reaching. Uh, Paul would go on to say it like this. He said, uh, those who live without Christ, uh, who were living according to the old Testament demands, their minds were made dull for to this day, the same covering or veil remains when the old covenant is read. They're still trying to perform to gain God's approval and, uh, And this veil, Paul says, has not been removed because only in Christ can it be removed. Uh, Dullness of mind, uh, wherever you're at, I'd like you to say that out loud with me. Their minds were made dull. And, uh, you know, when you've got a dull mind, uh, you're not really clued in to what's going on. And and Paul uses this terminology to say, apart from Christ, uh, it's kind of that, that mystery, there's something in our hearts that yearns for God, but we can't quite connect to him. There's a dullness that remains over our perceptions of God and of ourselves and his purpose in the world. Uh, Romans 12 invites us to be transformed. There's that word again, uh, changed from the inside out by the renewing of our minds. And so it's as uh, our minds uh, become aware of, as that veil is removed that separates us from God, as we step out of our pretense, uh, something happens. Uh, we begin to think God thoughts. We begin to see God as he is. Uh, but probably more importantly, we begin to see ourselves as we are. Like Peter, we begin to realize how desperately in need of transformation we are. And uh, we are no longer uh, have to be locked into that sense that wherever you go, There you are. And uh, if nothing changes, nothing changes. We're actually on a pathway of transformation. You know, um, uh, well, Paul goes on. He says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, um, this idea of the veil being removed, it really does uh, ask the question, uh, how real are we willing to get with God? And uh, really what follows is how real are we willing to be with people? Because if we really are very bold and we've lost the need to pretend and uh, to somehow uh, make believe that we're meeting some standard, we can be who we are. Uh, on the pathway to becoming who God is calling us to be. How real do you want to get with God? You know, uh, truth comes in all kinds of packages. It comes in different forms. And uh, I came across some truth this week uh, from a man named Sean T. Uh, maybe you've heard of him. He, he's known for being uh, an incredible fitness trainer, for running people through boot camp. And uh, he's you know, done training sessions with stadiums of 20,000 people. He helps people take charge of their, their fit, physical fitness uh, to get a hold of their weight gain and to improve their lives through training. But uh, when you begin to hear Sean T's story, in fact, he wrote a book called T stands for Transformation. Uh, he's, he's not just about physical training. In fact, his whole perspective is uh, when you experience transformation on the inside is when you begin to truly change your life. And uh, Sean uh, came out of hiding and told a little bit about his own story. He told about uh, growing up in a very broken home, uh, his mother seeing uh, multiple uh, male figures in the house. And he said uh, on uh, one season of his life, uh, she married one of them. And uh, he called him the evil stepfather. Uh, But after a while, that that name transitioned from evil stepfather to evil stepmonster. Because not only did this uh, false father figure uh, call him names, shame him, humiliate him, uh, but when Sean T. was eight years old, he describes in his book on transformation, uh, one night the the evil stepmonster slipped into his room. Uh, He was sound asleep and uh, he began to dream, uh, a dream that was sort of pleasurable, but uh, sort of frightening. And he woke up and found the evil step monster was molesting him, and, uh, which went on for years. And uh, you say, well, uh, I'm not sure I want to know all those kinds of details. Well, Sean T. Uh, basically says this, uh, how real are you willing to get? Uh, because in truth, it's the hurtful things. It's the painful things. It's the broken things that if we're willing to take the veil off, uh, come out of hiding and be very bold and bring them into our relationship with God through Christ, we begin to experience powerful transformation. Uh, he goes on, he says, uh, we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's goodness. Uh, we're we're actually uh, seeing Jesus as he is uh, as we read through the Gospels, we're seeing what kind of man he was, what kind of people he was uh, associated with, what kind of love he demonstrated when he poured his life out on the cross, what kind of mercy is inherent in him. And as we behold uh, that Jesus, uh, without hindrance and without obstacles, uh, Paul says we're being transformed and not just changed randomly, Uh, Not just on a a, a journey of random change, but we're being transformed into his very image, uh, into the likeness, into the character, into the wholeness, into the health, experiencing the joy, the nearness of God, the purpose of God, the calling of God, the ability and the power of God, all of those things uh, becoming part of who we are as with unveiled faces we contemplate the Lord's glory, and uh, Paul says this is with ever-increasing glory. Uh, It never ends. This process never stops. Uh, We never reach a point where we would say, "Uh, I'm the best version of me you're ever going to see. We know that's foolishness, because if our aim is to be transformed in the image of Christ, we will never stop pursuing and growing into that likeness. Well, as I lead us uh, in a time of prayer, I want to Uh, Point uh, to a young girl who I think is a great example of the kind of radical transformation God is inviting us into, uh, those of us who are really chasing life with a capital L. Uh, This young woman's name is uh, Anastasia Pagonis. There's a name, isn't it? Uh, Anastasia Pagonis. And uh, uh, she loved to swim as a teenager, uh, but at the age of 14, uh, Anastasia went rapidly blind, uh, and completely blind. In fact, in this photo, uh, she is without eyesight. And uh, when she reached that point, she, she really thought her life was over, that she had no more reason to really live now that she couldn't see at all. Uh, but slowly, she rediscovered her love for swimming and uh, began to excel, uh, she, a guide dog was brought into her life and she began to rediscover her independence as she could go places and do things she never could have done before. And uh, she went on to win two gold medals in the Paralympics. And I think she's such a wonderful example uh, of whatever comes our way, whatever difficulties, whatever challenges, those can become part of our transformation process as we behold the goodness of Jesus and walk in openness to him. I'd like you to pray with me. And uh, maybe as you're hearing these words, you're thinking, boy, I never knew that turning to Jesus could could bring me into that kind of a journey. I never knew that it would open me up to that kind of change. Uh, But you're ready to do that. I want to encourage you and just remind you that any journey always begins with a single step. And that single step that God is inviting all of us into is turning to the Lord so that that veil uh, can be removed, that dullness of mind can go away, and we can begin to live lives very bold. And you're saying, boy, I need that, I want that. Now, I want to invite you right now, just turn to Jesus, turn to the Lord. Uh, you could s- express these words in your heart or say them out loud. Lord Jesus, uh, I love you. I'm thankful that you've stepped into my life. I'm thankful that you're inviting me to turn to you and to begin a a journey that will never end. I open up to that, Lord. Uh, Thank you for the promise that you would uh, forgive me of my sins. Make me a new creation. Make me a child of God. Seal me with the presence of your Holy Spirit. Give me a lifestyle of interacting genuinely, being real, with my creator, and letting him use uh, perhaps all the dark and broken things in my life to, to bring me into his greater purpose. And Lord, I pray for all of us. Uh, I thank you for this invitation uh, to chase life, uh, to pursue life. Lord, next week we'll we'll look at the Apostle Paul uh, calling us to the upward call of God. And, and we would just pray right now, God, if, if any of us have have leveled off, have become uh, capable in our own strength, uh, feeling like we're, we've we arrived, we're at the best version of ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would strike that from our consciousness, remove it from our hearts, and give us that kind of humility that Peter surely experienced when he, uh, he was overwhelmed by who you are and your calling on his life and his own limitations, his own failures, his own misguided efforts. Lord, uh, thank you that you can catapult us past that kind of response to you. Uh, I thank you for this transformation room that you've uh, provided us with, the freedom to contemplate the goodness of the Lord, uh, to live in your presence, Lord. And I pray that uh, today would be different for each one of us, that we'd find a time and we'd make a way, God, to, uh, to step into that invitation to be transformed into your likeness, I pray in Jesus' wonderful name, amen.